You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension comprised of knowledge, opinions, and entertainment. A journey on a virtual information highway into a wondrous land whose boundaries are more distant than the outer reaches of the Twitter sphere. Your next stop, the Trend Zone. We're not the suits that talk football, we're the dudes that know football. And you've just crossed over into the Trend Zone. Dave here with Casey. We are the football dudes. Are you ready, brother? Yeah, this last day of January 2024, I'm ready. Let's Ooh, go. I'd hate to say the the 2024 20, is slipping away, but <laughs> <holy> <laughs> that is a signpost up ahead, Casey. Your next stop, the trend zone. It is Wednesday, January 31st. We're coming at you from Los Angeles, California, and it is a beautiful, eh, maybe not so beautiful. It's a little overcast, 53 degrees. Apparently, storms are coming, Casey. Rain expected one of those uh, atmospheric rivers, but I digress. Not quite El Nino, Dave, but still (laughs) rain. It's a pineapple express from what I understand, Casey. All uh, my favorite (laughs) kind of express. Exactly. In today's episode, folks, we'll talk about the coaching carousel winding down to just one NFL dominating viewership once again, and a look back at the championship games and a quick peek at next week's big game but casey before all that good stuff let's get it started with the tasty nug for the people what you got nfl you just said it man they dominate whatever it is they do it is pure domination this year the nfl playoffs averaged 38 and a half million viewers for the wild card divisional and conference uh rounds that's up almost 10 percent from last year wow individual viewership up Wild card up, division up, championship up. Dude, championship Sunday averaging 56.1 million viewers. That's up 11%. That means more than half of America was watching football last week. Nice. Crazy. Fantastic. Yeah. Unbelievable. So the NFL never fails to uh, deliver when the big games happen, right? Yeah. And speaking of that. In. Dave, I have a a Northern California nug to add to the collection. Delightful. Yeah, the 49ers, they did get the big win. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But with that win, Brock Purdy now has four playoff wins for his career, second most in NFL history for a player in their first two seasons. And he could tie Big Ben Roethlisberger if they happen to beat those Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And now Purdy's got one win against every NFC team that made the playoffs, which makes him the first QB to do that since another signal caller for the 49ers. I don't know if you know this guy or not, Joe Montana. Right. Big Sky Joe, Casey. That's right. And I can't can't leave an AFC game without a nug, Dave. If I'm distributing nugs, you can't leave anybody out. So the Chiefs, they scored zero points in the second half of the AFC Championship. They're the first team since 2010. More Pittsburgh Steeler action from 2010 to go scoreless in the second half of an AFC title game and still win. Pretty convenient that the other teams did not score (laughs) enough points to pass them. Yeah, they just sat there and let it right out. Hmm. Okay, folks. Trend Zone, available for subscription, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Go subscribe now, please. Thank you. Pleasing to thank you. All right, Casey. Moving to the um, top trending, top trap, top trending stories. Woo! Got it out. It's been out of control. Good job. You brought it back. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> you mentioned that we're down to one seat on the coaching carousel. 
And I know the one that you are most stoked about getting filled is right here in Los Angeles, our Los Angeles Chargers Day. That's right. We talked about Jim Har- Harbaugh coming to the Chargers uh, in last week's show. But since then, it has uh, continued to blossom. We talk- we speculated Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, was coming with him. He is coming with him. Uh, he's got himself a job there for the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers also have their new general manager, and it is former Ravens director of player personnel, Joe Hortiz. Hortiz having worked with the Ravens for his entire career. He joined the team in in 98 and it sended up through the ranks. Uh, he has been in his current role, I, be, I believe player personnel director uh, since 2019. Uh, this dude is a, is, has been associated with one of the top drafting teams for the last quarter century. Hello chargers nailed this one. Yeah. The, the Ravens are known for dominating the draft. They have every year, the most drafted players still in the NFL, regardless if they're on the Ravens or not, just the model of consistency there. So that's one thing the Chargers haven't had. Now you're getting the best, one of the best coaches, one of the best D coordinators, and a great player personnel guy. Looks like everything is trending up for the Chargers. Just need an OC to get the job done. We need somebody to sign on the dotted line. So we'll see what happens there. All right, Casey, up next, it is the Washington Commanders. What's the deal with that? Yeah, the Durs. Nobody wants that Durs job. They had they had their um, sights set on a couple young hot coordinators. Those guys ended up staying put. Um, one name out there that's interviewed with these guys a couple of times, um, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. But they are running out of options there in Washington. I don't think they got any of the people that they really coveted. So... New ownership, same Durs. Yeah, plenty of money. Nobody wants to take it. So we'll see what they end up with. At this point, a lot of coaches are being snatched up by all these other organizations that are building their coaching staffs while the Washington FTs are sitting around trying to figure out what's going on, man. They're losing now. Casey, another team, though, that has found their guy, it is the Atlanta Falcons. They're pretty stoked right now. Yeah, dude, Raheem Morris. He's coming over from our Los Angeles Rams. He's also going to bring Zach Robinson as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Raheem Morris, one of the youngest coaches ever when he got elevated early on. He's been with uh, Coach McVay for the last few years, so you know what that does for the hiring process. It moves you right up to the top. Stoked for Morris to get another opportunity here. I expect big things out of him. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, He was a dude that was pretty clearly – uh, ascending in in this uh, in this off season and one of the top candidates. So congratulations to Atlanta. And of course, he he was there previously uh, in an interim role and uh, he did pretty well there. So yeah, um, give him credit. So they got their guy. Um, Casey, moving on, uh, another team that's uh, pretty excited right now. Uh, I would say is the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, totally stoked, dude! This is a home run. They're getting Mike McDonald. Whew. Not that defense. Yeah. Not the singer from the Doobie <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> uh, no, the Ravens defensive coordinator. Ravens, uh, great defense this year in a yep. number of categories. Um, that's kind of been what the Seahawks have needed the last few years. They've tried to uh, fill the uh, defensive side of the ball with a bunch of high draft picks. So now with McDonald there, I think uh, the 12s are going to be completely stoked with that higher dude. Only 36. He's the youngest head coach. In the league, ironically enough, Dave, he's replacing the oldest head coach, Pete Carroll. Yeah. Spry 72. 
Right. I cut the H in half, and I believe I don't know, do the numbers on this one, but yeah, holy yeah. moly, man. Can I have two McDonald's for the price of a Carol? <laughs> I'll tell you what. All right, Casey, speaking of Carol, it's Carolina. The Panthers have got their new guy. Yeah, Bucks OC Dave Canales did a really good job with Baker Mayfield this year. Weren't uh, high expectations going to be, you know, a team in transition. They got them into the playoffs. So that was good enough for Canales to get um, his shot at uh, head coach. Only 42, was with the Seahawks for a long time, actually back in the day with Pete Carroll at SC. So um, stoked to see this guy get a shot. And um, hopefully Tepper, you know, doesn't fire this guy before the season even starts. <laughs> and the training camp, you're out of here. Right. Disgruntled billionaires. Yeah. He wants it to happen uh, last last month, right? So uh, good luck uh, to Canales, though, working with Bryce Young. Try and get him going. He did struggle in his rookie season. So the, that will certainly be um, an area that he can help out quite a bit, I'm sure. Absolutely. Casey, moving it on, the Las Vegas Raiders we talked about last week. They uh, ripped off the interim tag from Antonio Pierce. He's going to stay, and that stokes out that locker room. They also bring in, as we mentioned last week, former Chargers GM Tom Telesco uh, to, to call uh, the shots in terms of player acquisition there. Uh, moving on, Tennessee Titans we, we talked about last week. They got their guy, Brian Callahan, the former OC from the Bengals. And we talked also last week about the Patriots bringing in their own guy from within, Gerard Mayo, the heir apparent, uh, replacing the legendary Bill Belichick, Casey. But that's not all the information we've got. It's an unbelievable slew of coaching moves here at this point in time. The Eagles are pretty excited and having moved things around quite a bit in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and there was speculation of this move last week. They made it official. They bring over Vic Fangio to be their defensive coordinator. That that defense was a sieve the back half of the season for the Eagles. Um, just got wrecked. So Fangio's gonna for an old guy, he'll breathe some new life into it. And on the other side of the ball, they're bringing in Kellen Moore. He was with the Cowboys for a while with the Chargers um, last year. With uh, Harbs coming in, it was time for Moore to go. So. Yeah. Um, It'll be weird seeing Kellen Moore on that other side of the uh, field there when we do battle with those stinking Eagles. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, the rap on him was he didn't run enough, couldn't get the run game going with the Chargers last week. They have to be able to run the ball up there in Philly, especially with Jalen. You know, he's going to. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense he brings in there. The word when he was with Dallas too many decisions between what the receivers and the quarterbacks saw and what was going to happen created a lot of interceptions. I don't know if this is the best fit for Jalen Hurts. We're going to find out next year. Yeah, we'll see. And Kellen Moore, you know, uh, when he was successful there with the Cowboys, had a pretty sweet offensive line. Last year, the Chargers looked to have a good O-line going into it. When Corey Lindsley went down in week three um, with, uh, and now he's retired, unfortunately, uh, they really struggled, and I think that impacted his ability to succeed. Now he gets a chance to work with a pretty solid offensive line there um, in Philadelphia. So we'll see what he can do uh, with the talent they have there. They've got some talent for sure. All right, yeah. so moving along to uh, our next uh, team that is in transition here. It is the Patriots, uh, and they've got some new blood. Yeah, they promote defensive line coach Demarcus Covington. He's going to be the the D.C. up there in New England. Lots of change all over the place there. 
and uh, safety's coach, Steve Belichick. You might remember that last name. He had called the defensive <laughs> plays for the Patriots uh, in the past few years. He's got an opportunity to stay with the organization. We're not sure what's going to happen with that, but um, change of plenty for these Patriots. And then the Packers, they're also expected to hire Boston College head, head coach Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. So, so many different coordinator moves. I don't remember yeah. it ever being this right. crazy. I know the last few, couple of years it's picked up, but this seems just absolutely out of control. Yeah, without a doubt, it seems like the most coordinators, <laughs> offensive and defensive coordinators ever in an yeah. offseason. But I know we normally get <clears throat> upwards of seven new head coaches. So that's kind of following the trend. Yeah. And obviously they've come with, generally speaking, obviously new OCs and DCs. But uh, it just seems like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is an extreme uh, quantity of uh, of changes here with a lot of these teams. But you know what? Some teams didn't change things, Casey. Some guys yeah. decided to stay put. Yeah, a couple hotshot coordinators that we thought were guaranteed to get new gigs. They decided to stay with te their teams. Bobby Slovic, he agrees to a deal to stay with the Texans, likes that um, offense over there. He got a significant raise. C.J. Stroud, he's over there. Um, so I don't. I don't see a real reason to leave when you can, you know, kind of develop with this guy and extra money um, doesn't hurt when you get that. And then Ben Johnson may be the hottest commodity out there. They had to wait till the Lions season finished before he could uh, step out. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to stay here. He likes what's going on in Detroit. So two of the biggest names, they are going nowhere, Dave. Yeah. And I think one of the main, main situations was they've got a quarterback where they are and mm -hmm they're kind of fresh onto the scene with their newfound success, really relatively speaking for each of these candidates in Slowick and Ben Johnson. And, you know, I think you want to establish yourself as a legitimate and then call your shot later. Yeah. And it used to be like, Oh, you have to jump at a head coaching opportunity. They never come around. That's not the case anymore. You just said it. seven, eight is the norm every year. That's one fourth of the league pretty much. So yeah. these jobs do come around. So establish yourself and really be ready for it rather than taking, you know, maybe the mojo off of one season if you're not ready. So I think yeah. there, it's the long play with those guys. Now, maybe if the Chargers gig was open, these guys would have been clamoring. But uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, I think they both made the right move. I like yeah. that um, both of those teams and the direction they're headed right now. No, neither of those guys have to deal with everything. They just get to focus on yep. what they're doing on the offensive side of the football. And I think that's going to work out well for them in the long run as they're both young coaches that are obviously ascending. Yeah, and being a coordinator in this league is still a totally killer gig. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no so kid. no question. And once you become problem. a head coach, there's no guarantee that you'll ever have like any longevity there, mm -hmm. or that you'll ever get another shot at a head coaching gig. So make sure when that you you know the the grass isn't always greener. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Super Bowl winning coaches get fired all the time. Speaking of which, Casey, there are a couple of Super Bowl winning coaches that are out there looking for work. Yeah, shockingly, Bill Belichick is still there. Pete Carroll, he was supposed to have a role within Seattle. I'm not sure that he really wants to settle into that. We'll have to see how that plays out. And then uh, Mike Vrabel out there, too. So starting to feel like maybe these cats are just going to sit out this year, recharge the batteries, and take a look at the potential of some jobs that 
might open up next year. We know there's going to be seven or eight. And one of those jobs, depending what happens with my Cowboys, could be that down there. And Jera, you know how he loves to pour gasoline on stuff. He said, <laughs> oh, I could definitely get along with Bill. We get along great. He's a great coach. So maybe that uh, lights a fire under Big Mike's butt as well. So um, these guys aren't rushing into anything, which I understand. So we'll see what's happened. Maybe if the Durs throw it shit ton of money at one of these guys they go but mm, i don't think so what about if the the deers as you like to call them bring in your boy dan quinn and there's a defensive coordinator position available for one of these dudes on a rental scenario or one maybe a one and done for any of these defensive geniuses in belichick carol or Vrabel to be on that side of the football for the cowboys I think the shadow from Bill is too great, and that would probably <laughs> cause so much animosity there. And can you imagine the Cowboys come out and lose two games? They would be burning effigies in Big Mike's front yard trying yeah. to get him out of there. Can Maybe Vrabel could slide in. Carthy out of here yeah. fast enough. <laughs> no. Yeah, so it depends what kind of fires you want to light. But uh, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, well, hopefully we win the Super Bowl next year, and it doesn't matter. But right. otherwise, 2025. They'll be back working. All right, Casey, let's move it uh, on to the next segment here. Um, we'll take a look back at both of these championship games uh, briefly. Uh, give us uh, give us some comments uh, back and forth a little bit, and then we'll take a peek at next week's action. But we'll get started here with the AFC, where the Chiefs beat the Ravens at a surprisingly low score. We talked about it being a possible yeah. low score. <laughs> We're And I was a little like hesitant, but 17 to 10, Chiefs beat the Ravens in this game. Um, good football game, but, um, what do you got? Yeah, this is a newfangled chiefs team dude for this year. They've been doing it with defense and we talked about it early in the season. We said, I've said in the show, you can't really say that the defense is carrying the chiefs, but the defense is carrying the chiefs. Yeah. And that's kind of been the theme and Spags has these guys playing out of their mind, yep. but the deal was here. Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he had some interceptions in the year, but when it comes down to making that money in the postseason, the dude yeah. does not do it. All he does is make huge plays. Kind of a quiet day, 30 39, 241, one touchdown, but no fumbles, no interceptions. And it was the timeliness of plays. I mean, you just grow accustomed to seeing it. I'm sure as a AFC West team fan, uh, yeah. it's infuriating to see the, some of the stuff he does. He's got magic, dude. This cat is on a different planet right now. I'm sorry. There's not another quarterback doing what this guy is doing in the league. And then you look over at Lamar, potential MVP. I think they put too much on his shoulders, Dave. He was 20 of 37, 272, one TD, one interception. But that TD came on Lamar just like avoiding a sack, you know, a backyard play basically. And, yeah. Um, and, the, and the other thing, Casey, you know, he did get the sack fumble earlier in the game, which is eh, not his fault, but he didn't mm -hmm. feel the pressure coming on the backside there. And then also uh, his, uh, his interception that he threw into the end zone was just an atrocious throw into triple coverage. Basically yeah. there were three DBs there that had a better shot at it than the receiver did. Um, it was just an awful decision yeah. at that point. But maybe uh, likely shouldn't put up his hand. Yeah, just that, say, I'm open. I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was underthrown, though. I mean, if he yeah. launched it earlier, I don't, you know, I mean, maybe he threads the no needle there, but um, just not a good decision at that point. And, 
you know, we're talking about both. This was the number and we said it before that, be, that we, you could conceivably think of a of a low scoring game with the number one and number two scoring defense going against each other. Um, but we knew on the Ravens side that they were the top rushing team in the league, Casey. And that just didn't pan out. No, dude. And I don't know why they got away with it. Why do these guys get too cute in the playoffs? You mentioned the number one rushing team in this game, 16 carries for 81 yards. Lamar had eight of those carries for 54, which is pretty good. Gus Edwards, only three carries. Justice Hill, only three carries. They got completely away from this. Like I said, I think they put too much on Lamar's shoulders. They got away with what got him there. Why would you do that, dude? Yeah. I mean, it was outrageous. They, I think they averaged 156 and a half yards in the regular season per game. Gets literally chopped in half here with this performance. And they were never out of the football game. No. There was no real reason to get away from what they do, from their identity as a physical rushing team. They should have just kept hammering and hammering away at that Chiefs and see if in the long run they could wear out that defense and gain an advantage that way. Um, but they never were able to do that. No, and it um, you know, it left them into some really bad situations because they weren't running the football. They were always behind the chains. On third down, Kansas City eight for eighteen, Baltimore just three for eleven. Penalties. We mentioned this. These were huge, dude. The Chiefs only three for thirty. Baltimore eight for ninety-five. And on that one drive, what was it? Two or three personal fouls. Yeah. Including at least two right in a row. The Vanoy headbutt. Headbutt. And then the scrape over the the, the helmet, more right? of a punch, but uh, yeah, it was it was certainly plenty physical. But and those are merited the calls. Yeah, but the <clears throat> the Zay Flowers dude taunting, dumb. You don't need it there. It's just like I mean, I know he's a young kid and he'll learn from it, right? But he pushes the defender down, spins the ball right by him, and then flexes over him. Maybe you could get away with pushing him if you spin the ball the other way and turn around yeah. and flex. Or maybe checked you checked off several of the boxes yeah. to, to to merit the penalty. And and then after that, they're further back by 15 yards. And if they weren't, he would have probably caught that pass and strolled into the end zone. Mm -hmm. Instead, that he is short and he reaches out, and therefore the guy who he taunted knocks the ball out of his hands <laughs> and turns the ball over. Yeah, how about that, pal? Now who's taunting, right? And, and they would have had a first and goal inside the one. If you have to game over at fourth down, you have to get in. That's one thing. Tuck that thing. You're down. You get to play. So um, that stuff he can learn. But just the lack of discipline, dude. That fumble is one of three turnovers by the Ravens on the day. As bad as it was for the Chiefs all season long. Zero turnovers in the biggest game of the year. And Dave, here's why the Ravens should have run two. Time of possession, the Chiefs, 37 minutes and 30 seconds, dude. The Ravens had the ball for 22 minutes and 30 seconds, and their defense still kept them in there without getting anything from And a lot offense. of those, uh, a lot of that time of possession was earned really late in that game when mm -hmm. they had a long drive that the Chiefs were trying to kind of play a little bit deep. Oh, you can want to catch a four or five yard route. We'll tackle you. We'll swarm. Yeah. And a lot of that time of possession they racked out at the, they, I mean, the Chiefs absolutely dominated the time of possession. I'll tell you what. So, um, who who stood out to you in this football game? Um, side? Yeah, I think you know defensively, Drew Twink, Drinkwill. Go ahead, tell me. Fumachaja. That's right. He had an outstanding game for the Chiefs. He, he seemed to be everywhere on there. 
And then the other side of the football, there's a bunch of Ravens you could point to because that defense was amazing, especially how long they were on the field, almost 40 minutes, dude. Kyle Hamilton was everywhere. There was that one drive where he made the play of first, second, and third down. I'm surprised he didn't block the punt. Yeah, no kidding. i tell you what, though, for me, Casey, you already mentioned the phenomenal game that uh, really Mahomes had, just clean as a whistle, making the plays when he needed to make the plays. But how about Travis Kelsey on the other side, 11 catches, 156 postseason catches for the dude, Uh, moving past Jerry Rice, who finished his career with 151. Kelsey now has 14 playoff games with at least one TD uh, tied for Rice for the most in NFL history. And he was just all over the place making plays. Yeah, dude. And that first touchdown right off the bat, that's just something that those guys have some kind of telepathy. The throw was down and away, and there was no way the defender could get to it. Kelsey bodied him up, gave the uh, the Chiefs the lead perfect. early, and they never looked back. And yeah, perfect pass on the other side of the defender, bodied him up, and perfect execution. What yeah. do you say? And the Chiefs, you know, we saw that maybe they did get complacent during the season, but that's what you want to see a team playing their best football in the playoffs, and that's what happened, and that's why the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. Yes, they are, Casey. And there was a team on the other side that played some good football. This was an awesome football game, the NFC Championship game. 49ers uh, beat the Lions in an, uh, an incredible game, 34-31. to 31. Uh, This was a tale of two halves, perhaps. Yeah, the, the Niners trailing 24-7 to 7 at the halftime before rallying back. 17-point comeback, the largest comeback from a halftime deficit in conference game history. And uh, that win over the Lions was a 38th playoff victory for these 49ers. That's the most by any team in the NFL. And now the Lions have lost 14 straight road games against the 49ers, the longest active streak in the NFL. Uh, And the the Lions haven't um, beaten the 49ers in San Francisco since mm, 1975. Wow. Boy, I hate those kind of records. But Casey... Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, 49ers looked well, like they were being beaten and beaten badly in the first half when they were losing that thing at the end of the first half, 24-7. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, right at the end of the first half, the the uh, Lions were up by 14, real close to the end zone, decided to go ahead and kick a field goal and go up by 17. It felt like a commanding lead at that point in time. Yeah, and that was fine because you knew that the Niners had a little something, and they came out, they drove down, got a field goal with the opening possession in the third quarter, and then the Lions come down, maybe like seven minutes left in the third quarter, still up by 14, fourth and three, first big decision by Campbell. He decides to go for it. It was there. Reynolds dropped it, but Dave, Mm -hmm. right there, a field goal puts you up by three scores. I know it's not 21. It's still 17. That means you can't get beat. By two scores, they're going to have to score those three touchdowns to beat you. If they yep. score two touchdowns and a field goal, you're just tied. That not going for it. And the Niners, that defense is what energizes the freaking offense. Yeah. And it got those cats fired up instead of kicking that field goal and pushing it back to 17. It gave the 49ers life. Yeah, 49ers drove down the field and chopped the score down to seven. But then, of course, Dan Campbell and company up against it decide to make another gut feeling, you know, gamble of a decision, dude. 
Yeah, and that was the fourth quarter, about seven and a half left. Down now 27 to 24. Instead of kicking the field goal to tie it, they go for it again on fourth down. The play had no hope, and the Niners take over, dude. Fourth quarter, maybe 12 minutes left, you can do that. But when you're at a possibility of not getting the ball back, if you don't tie it up there, you're going to lose. Yeah. And, you know, I know that's his MO, but the, the football gods gave him a preview in Dallas when he was too stubborn to take the damn point. They went for two. They didn't get it. Backed him up. They went for two. They didn't get it. Yeah. They got a penalty. Went for two. Didn't get it. You should have yeah. learned. That's a free lesson. The football gods gave you that one Good to point. prepare you for the and playoffs. You know, when you ultimately you add up those those two field goals to the score as it stands right now, and they're in they're in pretty good shape. Instead of trailing by three, they're up by three. But Casey, they had the ball back later. And the, from my perspective, the most egregious um, miscalculation. I don't know if it was Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson who ultimately made the call, but it's um, down there near the goal line, third and goal, 105 left on the clock. I said it right before the play. There's no way they can run the football. This has to be a pass. They ran the football. Surprise, surprise. Like, what are you doing down there, bro? Like these teams with, I don't know if analytics told them to they run. On themselves. Third down. Yeah. What are you doing, man? It's like, if you don't get that, you have to burn a timeout. Now you put everything on the ability to get an onside kick to recover, which we know is under 10%, if even that much. It wasn't worth the gamble. I'm mm -hmm. sure they have a million pass plays. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Sam yeah. Laporta. They have Gibbs. They Money. have Montgomery who can also catch. throw the freaking ball into the end zone. No time comes off the clock or just a couple seconds. You get to keep those three timeouts. Then you can kick it deep if you want to, but yeah. they ended the game right there on that play. And I don't think it was worth the gamble right there when you have other ways of scoring, which they ended up throwing for a touchdown to get. Yeah. I mean, to me, there's absolutely that that one was the if unforgiv unforgivable one. The other two we can debate at the time whether or not blah 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 it was the right call. They had good calls. The the play call, at least for that first um fourth down conversion, was there. It just yeah. wasn't executed. Um in this case, the play call was the error. And yeah. You know what? Not whether or not they should go for it on a third down, but the the they had to pass it to preserve had that to. clock. Then they could have kicked off with 105 on the clock. They could have defended the run three times straight, assuming the, the Niners would try and play it safe. They could have gotten the ball back with 40 seconds or something around that nature with a couple of deep plays. They're in field goal range. Um, they didn't give themselves that mm -hmm. chance, which I would say is a a, a way larger percentage chance than succeeding on an onside kick, which we rarely see succeeding in, in, in this modern day NFL. Yeah. I want to know how far into the, you know, the consequences of those decisions did he go when he made them that fourth down, not kicking a field goal to tie you think, Oh, we want to milk the clock and go down here and win. But what happens if you don't get it? And I know in football, you have to say, well, we got to go do this, but you do have to consider what happens if you don't get it. And I don't know how far they got in that decision-making process, especially on that third down late, when if you burn a timeout, there's no chance or less than, you know, 5% chance of winning. Just, uh, you know, it's brutal. You, the players have to execute, which I understand. And there were some drops and there were plays left out there, but the coaches can't make mistakes like that.
Yeah, I thought that was an absolute mental error from the coaches. And then speaking of the coaches in general, we talk about Detroit, They, you know, how they dominated the first half. They had 29 carries, 182 yards, and three touchdowns uh, in that game, but only six of those carries for 34 yards in the second half. I And, and you give credit to the, the 49ers defense. They're making adjustments. They're, they're doing what they want to do on the other side to try mm-hmm. and stop that running game that they were losing to in the first half. But from the Detroit's perspective, you got to stay with the things that are working. Also, you got to find a way to carry up more than six times in the second half of a football game. And when you're nursing that lead, which could have been 17, you run, if nothing else, that's taken two or three minutes off of the clock. Then it's a numbers game. You're still up by 17. Keep yep. running the football. They're running out of time to get those three possessions in a game where I don't know, both teams probably had like 10 or 11 possessions total. You start doing the math and they're running out of time. Just... Yeah, you can take a possession away from them. And if you've mm-hmm. scored those extra field goals, field goals along the way, uh, they need those possessions. They need every possession. And you're putting that pressure back on them instead of keeping it on yourself. So, yeah, I mean, after they, they, when they, when they fumbled the football after they, you know, it was, they, they chopped the lead from 14, the Niners chopped it from 14 to seven, practically immediately they choked up. And, and fumbled the football. It was, um, uh, uh, I think, uh, the running back w- went the wrong way, Gibbs. Yeah. And next thing you know, the ball was jarred loose. I mean, it was within a matter of minutes, they had a 14-point f- a lead evaporated, and it was a tie game. And suddenly, they were the team in panic mode. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about all the time, negative plays will get you beat more than positive plays will help you win. Well, and that, it helps yeah. to have a little luck, the IU catch. Off the face oh, mask yeah. should have been two interceptions dropped instead. Um, you know, one of those turns into a huge play for the Niners, but that's also being ready for your moment. So, yeah. And another thing we, we didn't expect to happen, but late in this game, we saw Purdy take off, use his legs. And I thought that was a pivotal, um, you know, development in this game and in his game uh, to move the chains with his legs like that. I don't think anyone saw that coming Mm-mm. and uh, it was certainly effective. And it helped this 49er teams get to victory. So a lot of credit goes to Purdy. Ton of guys that we look to look at on this Niner teams uh, when we talk about them. Uh, and certainly Purdy deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, big time. All right, moving on, Casey. Up next week, we're going to be getting way, way deep into it. It is Super Bowl 58, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. It is an over-under at 47 and a half. And the, uh, the line opened at San Francisco minus two and a half. It's down to just... Minus one and a half. We'll see. The money's going on to those Chiefs early here, Casey. But uh, this is going to be a good football game. Yeah, dude. Uh, Patrick Mahomes will become the first player to start in four Super Bowls before the age of 30. He also won his 14th postseason game, tied for third most in NFL history, trimming only uh, Tom Brady and Joe Montana. That's pretty good. And, Dave, this just a fourth time in NFL history that two coaches have met in a Super Bowl at least two times. The last time it happened, Tom Coughlin's Giants played Bill Belichick's Patriots two times over five seasons. This is going to be a fascinating game. We saw this a couple years ago. The Niners with Jimmy G had a 10-point lead going into the second half. Only to watch Mahomes rip it away from him. He's been known to do that. Um, This time, the Chiefs are bringing a defense too, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no doubt about it. This is going to be a heck of a football team, uh, football game. Both of these teams worthy of being there uh, in this rematch just a handful of years after 
we saw this and it was a good good game that time i'm feeling like this is going to be a good game how do you feel about this one casey dave i'm completely stoked but i'm not totally stoked because the niners have a chance to win so i can't be totally stoked yeah i'll tell you what casey i'm feeling similarly however i am totally stoked but not completely stoked and that is the reason being of course that the kansas city chiefs are back here again with a chance to win another super bowl trophy for this andy Reid and mahomes combo and kelsey and taylor swift oh yeah i can't forget that i think they're gonna bump usher from the halftime show and just see tay tay's gonna fly back from her show in japan the night before and with the the time change she's gonna get there just in time to root her man on i hope she's not uh, too sleepy but mm -mm. she'll sleep on the plane yeah nothing a couple dr peppers can't you know fix (laughs) get her going day this is gonna be rad and we are gonna turn this game inside out cover it from head to toe next week what do the people have to do to hear all that football goodness. Oh, yeah. So many ways to check out the Football Dudes. Trend Zone available for subscription on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. And Dave, are you going to have that totally sweet prop bet sheet available for the people? I am. I'm putting the finishing touches on it right now, Casey. And it will be up on the site ASAP at footballdudes.com. And we want to remind you guys, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Instagram and Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at FootballDudesLA, and tag us across all social media platforms. Go check out that that, that Super Bowl prop sheet. It's going to be a lot of fun. FootballDudes.com. It's all there for you. That's going to do it for this episode of Trend Zone. We're not the suits that talk football. We're the dudes that know football. For Casey, I'm Dave, and we are out of here. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.